Hey, good morning. Um, am I on? Very good. Uh, I survived. I survived. We have a, um, a third child and um, we're all still alive. So thank the Lord. It does. It can happen. Um, yeah, we're really th- I'm really thrilled to be back. Uh, Meredith and the kids will come back in the next couple of weeks. Uh, they're just still settling into uh, a new normal. Um, but yeah, we're both uh, looking forward to being back. We're grateful for your prayers and we're grateful for the meals that were sent to our house. Um, that made a very big difference, probably partly why we survived. Um, so thank you so much. Uh, it's really great to be back here to gather together uh, in the house of the Lord and to be uh, worshipping and singing together. Uh, it's, um, it's, um, it's a real joy to be together with you. Uh, we are getting to start a new series today uh, from a prophet called Haggai. And I'm going to give you um, full permission to look at the contents page of your Bible to find Haggai. I certainly had to when we first thought about uh, doing Haggai. Uh, it's not the first book you think of um, easiest book to find. It's only two chapters long, uh, but it is a really significant uh, book and it has some really important things uh, to teach us. And I think God wants to teach us through it. It's a call to build the house of the Lord. And so we're going to read... <clears throat> Uh, the first section of that uh, this morning to start off with. Haggai chapter 1 and doing the first 11 verses. Verse 1. In the second year of Darius the king, in the sixth month, on the first day of the month, the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai, the prophet to Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest. Thus says the Lord of hosts, these people say the time has not yet come to rebuild the house of the Lord. Then the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai the prophet. Is it a time for you yourselves to dwell in your panelled houses while this house lies in ruins? Now, therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. You have sown much and harvested little. You eat, but you never have enough. You drink, but you never have your fill. You clothe yourselves, but no one is warm. And he who earns wages does so to put them in a bag with holes. Thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Go up to the hills and bring wood and build the house that I may take pleasure in it, and that I may be glorified, says the Lord. You looked for much, and behold, it came to little. And when you brought it home, I blew it away. Why, declares the Lord of hosts, because of my house that lies in ruins, while each of you busies himself with his own house. Therefore the heavens above you have withheld the dew, and the earth has withheld its produce. And I have called for a drought on the land and the hills, on the grain, the new wine, the oil, on what the ground brings forth, on man and beast and all their labours. Let's pray. Our Father, we want to be faithful to your call on our lives. Please help us to be humble and attentive to your word. And by your spirit, 
through your son Jesus, would you build us up? Would you strengthen and reinforce us in your son Jesus? In Christ we pray. Amen. For some people, uh, building your own home is a bucket list item. It can be the dream people work towards for years and decades to finally get that plot of land, to lay that slab, to have those walls in those locations to live in. Or for some, it can be the first move into home ownership. It comes with a certain degree of satisfaction. It's a marker of independence. Uh, it's a moment you can make a lasting footprint on the world, at least for 30 years or so. And seeing your property go from a pile of dirt to a concrete slab, to a structure with walls and windows, till finally it's fully finished and it's a functioning home. That is a satisfying experience. So it's no wonder then that the last three years have caused a mountain of frustration. The ongoing uh, effects of COVID has meant that building materials are impossible to source, together with a labour shortage and a looming economic recession. People's dreams of building their own home or even to renovate their existing homes have been crushed or made a whole lot more expensive. Overall, you would have to say it's not been a great time to build your own home. Someone could have predicted COVID, perhaps someone who could have travelled to the future and come back and told us that golden piece of information. Uh, some of that frustration could have been relieved, but that's not the case. We're starting a new series today. We're in the book of Haggai. As we spend time in Haggai, God is going to call us to build the house of the Lord, to roll up our sleeves, to work up a bit of a sweat, to get busy building his house. And a critical, critical question we're presented with in this morning's passage is this. What time is it? Just look at your clock, you'll be able to tell me the time straight away. I'm asking a little bit more of a significant question, and we're being asked a more significant question than that. What time is it? The economic conditions of today make it a really poor time, perhaps, to build a new home. But what about building the house of the Lord? And let's forget the economic conditions of the day. What about the theological conditions of today? What do we know to be true of the time that the Lord has placed us in right now from the Scriptures? What is this time for? To answer that time, uh, answer that question, we've got to do a bit of work ourselves, so let's get to it. We need to figure out the time of Haggai's prophecy. We need to figure out the time for God's people back then. As we do that, we'll figure out the time for God's people now, the time for us. So here we go. The time of Haggai's prophecy. Haggai was written at a very particular time in history, a history that will help us understand what he has to say. Of course, we know that Israel was a people called by God to be his very own people, a people he saved out of Egypt, a people he would delight in and be glorified in. And at the very centre of the nation of Israel was his temple. 
The temple was God's gift to his people. It was where he would dwell among them. It was a constant reminder to the people of Israel that they are nothing without God. But with him at their very centre, they have everything. Psalm 84 says these words about the temple. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts. My soul longs, yes, faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and flesh sing for joy to the living God. Blessed are those who dwell in your house, ever singing your praise. Israel, at their very best, delighted in the Lord's presence among them. And they submitted themselves to his rule as their king. But sadly, they were very rarely, if ever, at their best. The history of Israel is tragic. The nation was meant to be united around the one God they serve, but their hearts persisted in disobedience. And so they provoked the judgment of God. And so some critical historical information for understanding Haggai. In 722 BC, the one nation that existed around the one God divided into two. The northern division of Israel, confusingly known as Israel, was overrun by Assyria and dispersed, never to return. Then in 587, the southern kingdom, often referred to as Judah in the Old Testament, was exiled to Babylon, where they lived as an exiled people. And it was at that time that the temple was looted and destroyed, completely flattened while the people of Judah were carted off to Babylon. It's worth pausing pausing at this point in the history of Israel. That should be the end. That should have been pack-up shop. There's no moving forward. Israel has persisted in their sin over and over and over again, and the consequence that God told them at the foundation of their nation, would be that he would exile them out. That should have been the end for Israel. Yet the timeline continues. Meanwhile, in the rest of world history, Persia eventually overtook Babylon, where Judah was kept in exile. And after 50 years of exiled life there, Persia's emperor sends 50,000 of the people of Judah back to their land. The people are back in their land. They're in the promised land again. Surely this could mean the favour of the Lord. Surely this means they would be made into a great nation again. And so with great resolve, the people start the building of the temple again. They know that they are nothing without their God. And so they get to work building the temple. Yet due to opposition and discouragement, they fail to bring it to completion. 
only a foundation stands. And then about 16 years later, there's a second return of the remaining of those who are exiled in Babylon, and they return. And at this point, the people of God are nothing impressive. They're likely a people experiencing a lot of, I guess, national shame. Their temple is but a foundation, and they are but a flea compared to Babylon. And to add to the picture, they're experiencing difficult economic conditions. There's heavy taxation from the Persian uh, Empire. And opposition from surrounding peoples is consistent. Can you imagine the mood of these people? They're a small people. They're at the whim of the Persian Empire. Their finances are tight. And the temple sits there incomplete. A daily reminder of their failure and of God's absence. Fairly bleak situation to find yourself in. And this is the time of Haggai's prophecy. So we come to our second question. What does this mean for God's people in that situation at that time? What time is it? Haggai knows how the people are answering that, answering that question at the time. And more importantly, God knows. Chapter, uh, chapter 1, verse 2 says this, Thus says the Lord of hosts, These people say the time has not yet come to rebuild the house of the Lord. The time is not for building the house of the Lord, but, look down in verse 4, the time is for ourselves to dwell in our panelled houses. Houses that are complete, comfortable, roofed, habitable. And who can blame them? The times are tough. And that's the conventional wisdom, isn't it? When times are tough, let's say a worldwide pandemic or rising interest rates, when times are tough, the time is to look after yourself. Take care of your own. Make sure all your ducks are in a row. But God doesn't let them settle into their recliner lounges that easy. No, he calls upon them in verse 5, consider your ways. Consider your ways. Moving from one day to the next, moving from one week to the next, one month, one year to the next, is easy. To get caught up in the priorities that are just thrust upon us by life circumstances is easy. But these three words force us to look back on ourselves. They put you in front of a mirror and they force you to ask the hard questions of yourself. Consider your ways. Haggai goes on to speak these words in verse 6. You have sown much and harvested little. You eat, but you never have enough. 
You drink, but you never have your fill. You clothe yourselves, but no one is warm. And he who earns wages does so to put them into a bag with holes. See what he's saying? He's saying that labouring without results. That's what they're doing. They're labouring without results. They're putting in, but they're not getting out. Their wage comes in every fortnight, but it's going into a pocket with holes. It's like filling up a bucket with holes in the bottom. They're working away at their own houses, paying down the mortgage, while the house of the Lord remains in ruins. They have neglected not just a building project. Let's be clear here. This isn't just a building project they've neglected. They've neglected their very own God. They're under a delusion that they could survive and thrive as a nation without their God. And what's the outcome? The outcome is futile and meaningless work. Hey, I I wonder if you're not a Christian uh, here with us, gathering together uh, with us. Uh, We're really pleased that you're gathering with us this morning. Uh, There's something in these verses that may be particularly helpful for you uh, this morning. Futility and meaningless. In other words, running the rat race or getting caught, caught up in the anxiety to have, having to live your best life now because it's the only life you have. Or put another way, it's the experience of having put lots into something but then realising that it's not satisfying the way that you had hoped. Life can feel that way sometimes, can't it? It can be, feel futile and meaningless. And it's especially when you really start to ask those questions. What is it all for? What's it all about? If that's where you're at, God's word for us this morning, from this passage, particularly for you, if you're not a Christian here, considering and thinking about Christianity, God's word has something really important to hear, uh, for us to hear on that. But stay tuned. We'll get to that bit in a moment. So we read, the outcome of their way of life is meaninglessness and futility. But it's also more than that. Read with me verses 9 to 11. They say this. You look for much and behold, it came to little. And when you brought it home, I blew it away. Why, declares the Lord of hosts, Because of my house that lies in ruins, while each of you busies himself with his own house. Therefore the heavens above you have withheld the dew, and the earth has withheld its produce. And I have called for a drought on the land and the hills, on the grain, the new wine, the oil, on what the ground brings forth, on man and beast, and on all their labours. If in verse 6 we get a sense of the futility of neglecting the house of the Lord, in verse 9 and 11 there we see that the outcome of their ways is actually the judgment of God. See, it's God is the one who has brought these unfavorable circumstances upon them. Did you see that there in verse 9? It says, I blew it away. Verse 11, and I have called for a drought. The Lord acts in judgment against his people. 
And why? Verse 9 puts it as clear as day. Because of my house that lies in ruins, while each of you busies himself with his own house. Consider your ways, Haggai calls. Consider the set of outcomes that your way of life is producing. And for the people of God that Haggai speaks to, it's futility and the judgment of God. It's not a great spot they're in, is it? But God, in his faithfulness, through the prophet Haggai, calls them back. He holds out another chance to them. It's there in verse 8. Read with me. Verse 8 says this, Go up to the hills and bring wood and build the house, that I may take pleasure in it and that I may be glorified, says the Lord. A few people here have fireplaces, myself included, so we kind of know what it's like to go up to the hills to bring back wood. But this is the call of the Lord to his people. It's not too late. Your unfaithfulness to me in the past does not need to have the final say. Build the house, he says. Why? That God may take pleasure in it and that it may glorify God. See, that there is the life far from futility and meaninglessness. A life given over to pleasing the creator of heaven and earth. A life that the creator looks at and delights in. And not only pleases him, but glorifies him. That rightly displays his beauty and wonder to the world around. Now that is a life full of meaning, full of purpose. That's the life that God graciously calls us into. And so if your situation is feeling futile and meaningless today, the Lord wants to call you into life with him. Life that is indeed full of meaning, full of purpose. And that is an invitation for all to accept. Yet, this kind of life is the kind of life our stubborn and sin-stained hearts want to reject. I've heard sin described this way before, that it's the inward bent of the heart, bending back in on itself. Being concerned with pleasing self and glorifying self rather than God. That is the condition of every human heart. And this passage calls out and looks for a faithful Israelite, one utterly concerned for pleasing God and glorifying God over and above self, one who would take upon themselves whatever it takes to build the house of the Lord to reject the world's wisdom of living for one's own comfort first, but giving themselves over to the purposes of God. The Lord Jesus came 500 years after the events surrounding Haggai's prophecy. And it's recorded that he sweated drops of blood the night before he would die on the cross. The cross was where Jesus would bear upon himself the full judgment of God 
for the sin-stained hearts of the world. And Jesus sweat drops of blood, full of sorrow and turmoil. And his prayer to God was, take it away. I don't want to do this. Take it away from me. But the words that followed after are life itself. He says, not as I will, but as you will. And Jesus humbly and faithfully went to the cross to bear our sins upon his shoulders. What was Jesus doing? He was rolling up his sleeves. He was working up a sweat, literally, to build the house of the Lord. He put aside his own interests, his own comforts, to be faithful to his God. We would make a big mistake if we think Haggai is primarily about calling what us to do for him. Primarily, it's about what God, through Christ, has done for us. I always uh, cringe a little when people ask a crowd to do this, so I'm so sorry. But I wonder if you would quickly just glance across the church uh, to have a look at those who are here. What are we looking at? Thanks to those who actually looked around. What are we actually looking at? The New Testament tells us that this here, us gathering, is the house of the Lord. This collection of people is the temple of God. And when Jesus humbly went to the cross to die for us, he was doing the work required to build us into that house. If If you're not a Christian here, the invitation is to be invited into that, to be brought in, to grab a hold of the work that Jesus has done in in building this house, the work of dying on the cross, spilling his blood for our sins, of rising from from the dead to give us life forever. A life apart from Christ only has meaning for a while, but ultimately it is futile and meaningless. A life with Christ is life to the full. And for those of us who call this church home, we are the household of the Lord. A people who Christ has bought with his own blood And we've said that it would be a big mistake uh, to see Haggai primarily about what we do for Christ. That would be a big mistake, true. But it would also be a mistake to think that Haggai has nothing to do with what we are called to do for Christ. See, primarily, yes, we are those who Jesus has saved, who he gave his blood for and made us his household but we're also the people of God who Jesus calls to join him in the work of building his house. He calls us to join Jesus in building his church. And 
you know, just to clarify, this doesn't mean just an endless string of building projects, doing endless repairs and renovations on our building. No, it, it means knowing and loving and serving your brothers and sisters in the Lord. It means speaking words of truth and encouragement to one another. Rocking up to church, you should be getting drops of blood and rolling up your sleeves, ready for an hour and a half of building up your brothers and sisters in the Lord. That's not where it ends either. Because our Lord says the harvest is plentiful. Just consider this morning the droves of people heading out to weekend sport this morning, hooking up the boat for a morning on the water, heading out to a cafe for a Sunday brunch. Consider the droves of people who are indulging in sin this morning, those who are lonely and suffering and without hope. Consider the droves and droves of people facing life without Christ. Neither knowing true life, nor a life full of eternal meaning. The harvest is plentiful, and our Lord calls us to build the house of the Lord. And so as we hold out the word of life, as we pray, the Lord will build his house through us. The question that we're put to us here is are we ready to consider these needs above our own? Are we ready to build the house of the Lord? We started by asking the question, what time is it? Well, firstly, it's time to receive Christ by faith and be joined into the house of the Lord, the house that Christ is building. It's firstly to be built up by him for Christians and non-Christians alike to come to Christ. But as those who have been built into the house of the Lord, the time is to join Jesus in building his house. And we need the Lord's help, don't we? Let's pray. Our Father, thank you for your word to us this morning. Thank you for being present to us by your Spirit. And thank you for your Son, who you sent as a builder, one who would give up everything to make us yours. Father, with this word you have spoken to us, please continue to build us up and strengthen us. And please give us what we need to be engaged in the task of carrying forward your work of building the church. In Christ we pray. Amen.